17 straight drives without a touchdown and overtime where neither team picked up a first down. Another primetime loss for the Broncos. It probably isn't even as embarrassing as it is routine. Welcome back to another Monday Night Football Recap, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hogan, and I'm joined for the first time by Brian O'Leary. I, I planned on asking you, are you happy that the Broncos that were done with them for a while, but we have them again in what a week's time coming to London, Brian. Will it ever end? It's been a difficult time for our Broncos fans, including their two colleagues, Michael McQuaid and Colin Cronin. And like you know, the game last night was it was always going to be a difficult game. It's in AFC West divisional clash. Um I mean the Broncos have actually had the upper hand over the Chargers for the past while. And I think with the exception of the game at the end of last season where the Chargers blew them out, the Broncos have always done reasonably well. I always felt it'd be a tight game. We previewed it on our live show. I'm on the evening and I said it'd be close. I did feel the Chargers would just find a way to win, but it certainly didn't play out in the manner in which in which I thought, especially for the Broncos, having had 10 days off from the, uh, let's just say, the difficult uh, defeat against the uh, Colts and a difficult start to the season in terms of f- offensively, bearing in mind what was expected of them with, with Russell Wilson coming in. Similar again last night, it just hasn't materialised, it hasn't got going. And again, unfortunately for, for all Broncos fans, the storyline today is, Russell Wilson and just offense. And again, the pressure just continues to build on their head coach. And you're right, like they're coming to London on Sunday week. They've got a difficult game this weekend against a, a resurgent jet side. It's going to be very interesting leading up to London to see what we what we have ahead of us when we get over there. I, I kind of wish that the, the London game was pushed back a bit so that they could just get some, you know, routine under their belt, play some nine o'clock Ireland games and just kind of step away from prime time. I remember looking before the year and, put out a stat that the FC West has 19 primetime games. It was the most since 2006 NFC East or something by division. And now, look, we're already looking at flexing away like the Broncos next one. It's actually a Sunday night game that I'm going to, and I was really excited that I was going to a Sunday night game, Sunday night football, and I don't know if I even want to make the trip anymore. But it's such a shame. This game, at the beginning of the year, we were saying, oh, yeah, come week six, that's an exciting one. To get to we obviously have known for the last few weeks that that's not going to be the case but when we're talking about who we were making our picks for this week i was purely picking against the broncos whereas the la chargers was a team that i had picked for the super bowl to win it outright before the year so it talks about the quality of these teams or the lack thereof that we're like we're not even picking based on any kind of explosive and we're not even expecting a decent game going into this listen to you guys yesterday we're talking about how poor could the broncos be without nathaniel hackett getting fired and i mean there's two ways that we can dive into this game and it's do you want to take the positive or the negative because you kind of touched on it there like Nathaniel Hackett, it really is the storyline. And it's frustrating because you guys previewed the, the game less than 24 hours ago and we're talking about Nathaniel Hackett. And coming out of the game, we're still talking about Nathaniel Hackett. And it's for exactly what was predicted and the storylines going into it. It's that he doesn't seem to have any grasp on what's going on. And it's, okay, it's going to be difficult to do that in season. Like, he can't just change up his offense. But, like, talk about some holes or just glaring obvious weaknesses with the offense. Like, I mean, this is what I'm saying. Do we want to dive in with the positives first? And actually, do you know, maybe we will, because Russell Wilson got off to a great start yesterday. It was the Russell Wilson, I suppose, that the Broncos traded for, and he was making plays. He went to nine different receivers to with his first nine passes. I loved some of what he did. He was able to extend plays. It was one game 
to um the tight end Tomlinson out by the sideline. That was a lovely extended play and then a beautiful throw. That was backed up by another extended play and a big pass to Jerry Judy. And that was followed up again by a big touchdown uh, by the Broncos, by Dulcich. Russell Wilson was definitely there. Were you happy with his performance or do you have to just ignore the first quarter because the following three quarters are so poor? No, in fairness, like the first quarter, he was 10 for 10, 116 yards, one touchdown. He touched on a mark in terms of the variety of the play in terms of he was going to different receivers. And it looked like we saw a little bit more of an explosiveness in the game against the Raiders a couple of weeks back and then obviously it didn't, it didn't materialize last week. And having had the 10 days off, I did say in the show last night, what will we see from early on when they come out and go out all guns blazing and be very explosive. And, and for large parts of that, they were. I and mean, he was only, he, he was he was pretty much 100% in terms of his numbers. And it looked like, okay, this is what we, this is what most Broncos fans were expecting to see when the season started. And then it just completely fell away. And I don't know, is it, it's the head coaches overthinking it in terms of moving away from players that are working. Like we see in the league, fans get frustrated with the head coaches who, for some reason, one reason or another, move away from what's working. And right last night, it seemed to be working very well in the first quarter. Players were getting open. Players who you want to see get the ball, so the likes of Judy. And then you look at the next three quarters and it's, they've completely gone away from it. For the remainder of the game, he was three for 11, 15 yards, no touchdowns. And I know a lot of the yards are down to the fact that they were penalised. And from a coaching perspective, we, I think we have to look at have a broader look at the, at the coaching situation. And not just homing in on the offense. I know he was brought in essentially to be an offensive play caller, and he was a guru and all the rest and all the time, you know, the time he had with Aaron Rodgers. But right now, the Broncos last night were penalized for 151 yards. Uh, that's the worst, most sorry, it's the most penalized they've been in the game since 1976. That's the second game of the season they've gone over 100 yards in penalties. That's just ill-discipline on offense and defense. That's that ends me is down to the coach, like. They need to get all that right. Like you need to play correct, correct free football in order to get yourself in a position to win. And they were in a position to win last night, but ultimately when you have a situation where both sides of the ball aren't, you know, are finding themselves in a position where they're continuously putting the team in danger of losing the game, where, where, how are you going to, you have to address that for us before you even, for me, worry about the Russell Wilson factor. Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring up the flags because I did a podcast last week with um, our friend George Egelor and he and I were talking about the first year head coaches and we were really putting on Nathaniel Hackett saying like a sign of bad coaching is flags because flags are, you know, directly reflected on how uh, you're looking after your business. And I'd said going into the game, the Denver Broncos were the second most penalized team all year. They obviously through this game went into first, they've had 54 flags accepted. They've had 60 thrown on them, but like, it's it was straight off like the first offensive play by the LA Chargers, the Broncos gave away a pass interference. Then on their own first play, they gave away it was a holding penalty or something, and they followed that up two play, plays later with another flag. And it's like, how in the in your first what it must have been in the first eight plays of the whole game have you given away three flags? And they were dotted throughout the game. And don't get me wrong, the LA Chargers were pouring off themselves, giving away flags. But the Denver Broncos just don't do themselves any favors. And I mean, those flags at least were given away when they're able to play well in the game. But it's definitely frustrating. That's why I, I don't think that we can stay on the positives for too long because it does, does come back on Nathaniel Hackett that 
what they're doing isn't right. And I know you said like it's it's a broader scheme or it's a broader um, look than just the offense. So uh, like we have to touch on the flags, but then when we do bring it back to the offense, one of the things that he came in, he was saying was that he really wanted to commit to the runs when he was with Denver. They had six design runs in the whole of the first half. I don't know how that matches up with his philosophy, especially when, look, Melvin Gordon came into the game injured, but you've only run him for, what, he had eight yards or something in the game as a whole before being benched at half time. But and just on the benching, Merrick, just on the benching, sorry, Jim McCrosher, um, I've watched Melvin Gordon's interview after the game. He looked very despondent. And he was asked the question, was, when was it communicated to you that you wouldn't be playing in the second half? And he says, it wasn't. And no stage during the halftime. Um, locker room conversation was any suggestion that he wouldn't be playing in the second half. He went there waiting for his number to be called. And it wasn't called for the remainder of the game. Nor in overtime was it recalled. I mean, where's the coaching there? Like, communication to a player. And right now, he's their best running back. Whether the fans like him or not because of his fumble situation in the course of a couple of games throughout the course of the season. And obviously last season. The reality is he's still the best running back with Williams gone for the season. And he's not utilising the entirety of the second half. Like, there had to be a situation in the second half where Wilson's under pressure. I mean, he was getting blitzed time and time again and the offensive line couldn't handle it. Derwin James was giving them a nightmare. Like, is that not a situation where you can u- utilise a running back to take the pressure off you by getting four or five yards? But, you know, instead of hit, having him on the sideline without any reason behind it? That, that, that to me, was another strange, strange one. No, that was exactly where I was going with it because, like, you talk about, like, they had 11 games or 10 days, I suppose, to prepare for this. And it's that they just don't seem prepared at all. Like, they're, like, even like I'm saying, like, six design runs in the whole first half, like, unless it's the game plan, I mean, that doesn't sound right at all because they're setting up a lot of the time. All of a sudden, they find themselves in second and nine or something because the run game hasn't worked. And then they're forcing a pass game, and then it becomes a bit too obvious. Look, yeah, Russell Wilson was able to get out sometimes and scramble around, and I think they had an extra run through one of his scrambles. But, like, it's just very strange. And I know Javante Williams is down, so maybe they're kind of adjusting on the fly. But, like, every team is down some players at at this stage that I, I don't think Nathaniel Hackett gets a, a pass here. And, like, I, look at us doing the thing again. We're dwelling on the Broncos because it just is such negativity and it's just so incomprehensible because it seems like there's solutions there i mean there's no screen passes built into this offense it seems because it always has to be a deep play there's no running back or otherwise waiting for a short pass from Russell or from russell wilson to bail him out and i mean if player if teams are only having to defend those uh deep balls or whatever they are like with a bit of depth on them depth of target I just I, I just think it's too easy. And Nathaniel Hackett, I was talking to Michael McQuaid this morning, asking him kind of his own thoughts on the Broncos. And he was like, yeah, we talked on the show last night whether he gets back on the jet from London. And it's like, it's looking even less likely now. And look, I know there's the whole thing, oh, we don't wish for people's jobs. And that's not... But I also don't understand that argument as much because the money that Nathaniel Hackett has made in the last few weeks is more than you and I combined will ever earn in our lifetimes. When Nathaniel Hackett is ultimately fired, which seems to be the way it's trending, he could easily end up with Green Bay again next year and he's laughing. So it's like, look, let's remove that whole element. Like we're not wishing someone to be fired, but if you're talking about fans and all that's on the, the line here, um, Nathaniel Hackett is not getting the job done 
and it's disappointing. And I'm going to use this to transition into a conversation you and I had before the season when we were talking about our thoughts on the AFC West. And we didn't think it was going to be this bad, but who would have guessed that potentially Brandon Staley will be the second best coach in that division? I mean, that's not any kind of a rave review, but that's just kind of how bad Nathaniel Hackett is. We'll see what Josh McDaniel is able to do. But if we kind of turn it over into the LA Chargers, an equally kind of disappointing display from them. Like, I mean, did they really win this game? Like, I'll tell you, I was disappointed. I knew the score going into this game. So when I saw what was it, 10-7 or 10-10 at halftime, and I knew there was only six more points coming in regulation, I was thinking this is going to be a slog, and it really was. But Brandon Staley, um, I don't know, I was kind of disappointed with the LA Chargers. Justin Herbert is too good of a quarterback. To Yesterday, he's, he set his lowest depth of target that he's ever thrown. Um, it did seem to me that they really are missing, and this has been an obvious point, but Keenan Allen seems to be day-to-day at this point, but he still hasn't come back in, even though for the last three games it's looked like he could be back in. But they're really struggling because one thing that obviously Denver did, yes, it was Pat Sertan, the quarterback for the Broncos. He did a fantastic job matching up with Mike Williams. Mike Williams did have one or two catches. I think, what was it? I, I don't know his exact yardage, but he did have a couple of catches. But by and large, he was shut down. So it did make life difficult for Justin Herbert. His yeah, he seemed it seemed conservative at times. The run game kind of helped when they in the build up to that touchdown that they had in the second quarter. Austin Eckler really did look good, but like I think the offense as a whole, like it's it's not that impressive considering Justin Herbert. Um, obviously should be better. I wonder though, are they just trying to wait, trying to get through until Keenan Allen is back? And Corey Lindsley missed the game again. He got food poisoning having just returned to the team after he was injured. For a couple of weeks that um can we give them a pass that they're not able to fire on all cylinders and they're just doing enough to get by or should we we be worried about them i would be worried about them to be honest um i i'm always worried about them because i think i've made my feelings very clear on, on the head coach and brandon staley how he feels that he's one of the most superior head coaches in the league and this continual continuous need to go for plays on fourth down in a game where as you said was pretty much going to come down to Field goals, bearing in mind that neither team could really move the ball for large parts of the game. He went for a 4 and 2 last night, which I felt was a poor decision at the time. I felt that. In the, in the very beginning of the game, wasn't it? In the, yeah, the it was early drug. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And you asked about conservative offense. Well, they threw the ball 50, 54, 57 times. They, they, he, he stepped back for throws. And his, his longest connection last night was 24 yards to, to Mike Williams. Um, a lot of Duncan, you know, quick, quick. Picked for you know get them out a screen pass to Eckler and to Kelly and other players, and um, it never really got going. Maybe we should be a little bit more positive on the Broncos defensively because with the exception of the game in Vegas, the Broncos defense has played really well this season. That's the frustrating thing. There's been a stat today that they've given up in terms of you know 15, 17 points, these type of points, not not huge numbers, but yet they're not winning the games. The Chargers for me, I, I didn't select the Chargers to go to the playoffs this year. I thought they. The uh, the hype was too much, and um, I think that's still the case. Um, they didn't impress me too much last night. They got got out of nine to four and two. The last few weeks they beat the Texans wasn't overly impressed in that game. The second half Texans came back at them last week. The Browns had that game to win. 
last week there was three situations in that game last week missed field goal missed field goal at the end an interception in the red zone by Jacoby Brissett that could have been that game could have ended very differently and for for large parts of that game I, I was watching it without knowing the score I felt that the Broncos were the team that potentially could go, go and win it they shut them down in, in overtime and then it wasn't for a muff punt you know they would have had the ball potentially a chance to go and win the game whether they could have moved it or not but I suppose getting back to the question right now I'm I'm torn on the Chargers uh, I thought defensively better last night um, they were better, but like you touched on the run, even with Melvin Gordon in the first half, the run game wasn't wasn't there for them. But other teams have been their run defense last year was one of the poorest in the league. It hasn't really started too well this season, so that was more efficient. But um, look, they're four and two, and you know the stretch in the season where you want to put yourself in a position to be making a real playoff push, and it's um, but it's going to be a lot more needed. And they need to get Keaton Allen back because Mike Williams wants he got the contract. Um, if you if you Mike Williams is a bit of a Boomer bust type of player. Don't you? you look at the stats last year and he has some huge games where he, he catches bombs and big touchdowns. And then he goes missing in games where he, his receptions are so low and his catches numbers are very small, very small, including last night. You know, you need a bit more consistency. Maybe that's where Keenan Allen comes back and allows him because other teams have to draw up schemes to combat against Keenan Allen and Williams. So the sooner they get him back, better for that offense. Yeah, I think it's difficult because he needs a complimentary receiver like Williams does. Or I think at least, I mean, like Gerald Everett at the tight end for the Chargers, like seems to keep flashing potential. But like um, Justin Herbert threw another interception targeting him in the fourth quarter. He, you know, the, they lost the game to the Chiefs on an interception that was thrown to Gerald Everett as well. And it's like it's a tough position for him. I mean, the Chiefs interception was definitely on him, of course. But um, when when you talk about the defense of the Chargers, I suppose you do have to acknowledge Khalil Mack came over, and there was a lot of trades done and you know big moves this off season. But one that obviously got a lot of attention was the Khalil Mack one, and he's second now, tied second, it should be said, with a few other players with six sacks through the year. And they did get to Russell Wilson four times, and for a quarterback that is as, as elusive as he is, obviously that's a good sign for the Chargers and the pass rush. I suppose the other thing. Though is that the Broncos defensive or offensive line is banged up. Um, Garpaul's obviously out for the year, but I at the, at the same time for the LA Chargers, um, O line is banged up as well. But uh, before we get out of here, because I mean, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I'm just scanning through my notes there, and like I have horrible drive, horrible drive, horrible drive written one after the next uh, when we're breaking down this game. So it's funny to take anything at all from it. But uh, one thing we should take is obviously special teams is what ultimately won this game for the Chargers when it did go into overtime. They were able to recover a muffed punt, and muffed punts aren't all created equal. And this certainly was one that the Chargers can take credit for. Ryan Ficken, the special teams coach, the players talked afterwards saying that Ficken had all week had them practicing about pushing the second level defenders, the second level um, blocker, I should say, for the Broncos on kick returns or punt returns, was getting too close to the receiver. And they Ficken identified that that uh, blocker could be pushed back into the receiver. And that's exactly how this played out yesterday when uh, Washington receiver ended up muffing the kick and that put the Chargers into great field position. Add into that that Dustin Hopkins was playing with, yeah, he was completely banged up. Like he was injured, like after his first kick, he was on the ground straight away afterwards. And it was what, 45 minutes of game time still to play. 
that uh, it does show a lot. And when we're saying at the top of this that Nathaniel Hackett, that maybe his players are reflecting an attitude that's in Denver, what with Melvin Gordon's comments, it says a lot to Dustin Hopkins. And I know kickers are a bit different, that they have to take out every opportunity that they get. But he played injured. He battled through it. It says a lot that he would do that for his coach. The players seem to have loved uh, the special teams coordinator, Ryan Ficken. They seem to have loved his game plan going into this. So there does seem to be a better chemistry, at least, or atmosphere around the LA Chargers team that, I mean, that can't be underrated in an NFL this year that seems to be all over the place. Yeah, like I, I well, sorry. Challenge the guys on the show, and I kind of make my feelings clear on stage. I would say, like the players have us back, and they're, they're very, very evident that they're all playing for him. And even with the the winning of the game in terms of the field goal, it was great to see all the players going out and congratulating Hopkins and lifting him up. And um, it was very cute play, I'd say, on the uh, on the incident that led to the to the muff punt. Because even if you look at the one, the previous punt in overtime, um, well, there was only a fair catch. They got around them. You know, on the off chance that he drops it, but that was something that they were looking to exploit. It was, came out in the after after the game, as you said. He he had most one in the second quarter as well. He recovered it, right. but there was a there. It was it was a trend in the game. Yeah, so they were trending, and it, it was trending in a situation that there is a scenario here where he could potentially do it again. Whatever you do, get your, do your utmost to get yourself around them. And uh, he Aikman and Buck said it in the commentary. It was a very clever play to, you know, there's no reason why you can't, you know be in a position where you're, you know, you're competing against the player, which is coming up against you and, you know, and not causing any, um, you're not getting in a position where you're causing any offense to the player who was looking to make the fair catch. And obviously then the player leans into him. Um, the, the Broncos player needs to be a bit more sensible there. He sees the ball, you know, is it a case that you, you know, you're you're putting yourself in a situation where you could be leaned against and you get yourself out, 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 of, out of way, get yourself out of position completely, allow the ball to drop. Okay. There's a, is, there is a gamble that it, reflects off your own players, so maybe that's not really their most appropriate thing to do. But you do see punts where players are continuously waving to other players, get yourself out of that position, get away from the ball. Maybe that was a smarter move, but he did look for a fair catch. So Yeah, I put it's it on the coaching it's just for, it. for, for yeah. Dwayne Stukes, the special teams coordinator for Denver. I mean, if we're going to give Ryan Ficken, um, you know, credit for, you know, realising and watching the tape and figuring that one out, I mean, like, then you know some team was going to do it, and I, I'm sure it's going to be fixed for the next game. But it, it doesn't matter to the LA Chargers; they're after benefiting a win off it at the at the very least, and one that they'll happy to take. Like you say, they're four and two. They don't seem like a four and two, but there's other teams that don't don't seem to have their record. I mean, like the Vikings stand out. It's like are, are, is is their record reflective? There's a lot of teams like that. Even the the Browns, it's like they got we're getting off to a good start. The Dolphins, their record is a bit weird at the moment. So, um, the Chargers will take it in four and two in this NFL season where uh, offense and all these kind of metrics are down. That it doesn't look like you're going to need ten wins to get into the wild card spot. It's like yeah, they're um. They're happy and they're laughing and they're only getting healthier, which some teams can't say. And I mean, look, you hope that Keenan Allen does see the field while Mike, uh, Mike Williams is on it. But um, I suppose that's a story for another day. I'm going to get us out of here. You're back tomorrow, Brian, previewing the games. With uh, the yeah, we're back Wednesday. Wednesday evening, we're previewing the, the Thursday night game. Uh, which seems excuse me now. Which one we got on Thursday night? Sorry, Saints, we have the Saints. Saints and, yeah, you, I should know, Brandon, when the Cardinals are your team. Um, Jeannie McAfee could have got into a Cardinals conversation. Maybe we'll save it. But yeah, it's, it's an entertaining enough game. We're previewing that tomorrow evening and we'll be previewing three of Sunday's six o'clock games. Um, and then we'll be back towards doing a full full preview ahead of another 
crazy weekend of games to come. I'll be back with a Cardinals talk on uh, Thursday with Jason Hayes, um, who does a bit of work with the Irish NFL show, and he's a great Cardinals follow. So uh, you're welcome to jump on and uh, hop on the call with us if you wish. I I don't know what what, what way that's going to go. I don't know when I get a chance to make my pick with Jason. So I guess I'll say it here that I'll probably go with the Cardinals just because they are. I am a fan of the team and. Uh, I suppose locking them myself to them now because if they lose that, I don't know how much of a fan I'll be for the rest of the season. I'll be giving it stink about them. Uh, Brian, thanks a million for coming on. This was our uh, first time, certainly not the last time. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the insight. No problem, Mark. Thank you.